Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a mystery history episode for you guys. That's today. right. What do you think of the term mystery history? Is that all right? We, I like it. It works for you? Yeah, yeah. It's all Jake's right. mystery history. We got some mystery history coming up. I've got uh, a little trip that I went on that I want to tell you guys about. And I can kind of want to recap my tire experience from Ah, uh, yes. And we're week. also going to be talking about what we're going to be doing this weekend that we'll That's recap right. yeah. next week. Yeah. So first, let's... So let's talk about what's going on with your trip to Houston. What were you doing? So uh, Porsche Panorama, which is the publication for PCA, which is the right, Porsche, the Porsche Club of America. America's um, little they, publication. They wanted to do a video of GT3, uh, 997, 991, GT2 RS, 997, 991. There's so many different cars. It was like five <laughs> cars. All GT3s, all GT2 RSs, and all the... And a lot of G the, GT cars the GT cars from the last few years. RS cars from the last few years. Okay. And so we're going to go do a film on them. And I didn't really understand. I'm like, okay, what, what is this film? For? What are we doing exactly? And, yeah. And, and they was, reached out to you. They reached out to Alex and I. Yep. Because we did some other film work for them before to do a documentary about why are these cars. Basically, I didn't really get a feel that there was a direction for it for oh. the film. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just do this film about why are these cars relevant? Why are they cool? Why are they important in motoring today? Okay. Which is kind of what we were going to do. And one of the cars was a uh, 911 RS 4 liter. Which oh, is the, yeah. Which is kind of the king daddy of water-cooled Porsches, really, if you think about it. It's yeah. extremely desirable, very rare, cool car, but uh, the owner, the, the motor blew up like two days before we got there. Are you serious? Dead serious. Motor blows <laughs> up. And, and we're, we all have our flights book. Everything's like non-refundable at that point. So we're, okay, well, what are we going to do? So we ended up doing a film of the 997, which is a previous model. Well, I right. guess it's two generations ago. Yeah, now. it is now. Um, GT2 RS, which is... Um, that car is it's six. It's a manual. Yep. I think it's six hundred and twenty horsepower. I believe um, you're right. Not a ton of assists on that car. It's pretty rear wheel drive only. Yep. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. Like pretty. This is you're driving this car. Yeah. It's a monster. And then the new one is the nine nine one GT two RS, which is honestly it feels like more like a really really hyped up touring car. Oh, interesting. You know, I've always say it's like a carbon fiber sledgehammer, right? Right. I mean, that was tons yeah. and tons of power, but it just feels kind of a little more insulated, perhaps insulated, a little more disconnected. It's not as raw. Like mm -hmm. I rode in both cars, yeah, and it was it was quite the hell ride. I'll tell you that right now. But um, the nine nine seven one just felt very direct, more very surprise, very visceral. And the other one was just, you know, I was watching it drive around, and I was behind it, and the thing was in comfort mode, and I'm in a minivan. And this minivan, <laughs> oh, this minivan was awful. <laughs> oh my god! I was, but here's the thing: when that thing was in comfort mode, mm -hmm. the undulations, the suspension were very similar to my minivan. <laughs> As I was driving behind it, I was not impressed. I went for a ride on it on the track, and for some reason, the instructor had it in comfort mode. I'm looking at the thing. I'm like, you could put that in in, in race mode, or sport mode, or whatever. And he didn't really want to do it. It wasn't his car, or whatever. But it just felt very floppy. And just, it's heavy. It weighs two or three hundred pounds more than the other one. Sure. And you know, even though all the carbon fiber, the rear window was like plastic, you can push it with your <laughs> finger and move it. Wow. We were gonna, hey, well, let's put a camera on here. Nah, let's maybe not. not. So it was, it was interesting to see the contrast of two cars that bear the same name. Right. And just the old one was so, for me, so much better. Not as good of an exercise in the technical design of what's possible. Right, because, because that is kind of what they're going for. Is. That's kind of what that car is. It's kind of a flag on top of the mountain car, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's for sure. It's really expensive. It's To me, it's really overpriced for what you get. I think for for me, 
And I'm mm-hmm. talking about from my perspective. And obviously, all these cars are so out of out of control with the pricing; it doesn't even matter. But I could probably have as much fun in a regular GT3. Sure, I've driven both cars, and for me, I can never take advantage of what a oh, 700 yeah. horsepower 911 can do. I just can't. Even the GT3, uh, 991 GT3, was like, oh my god, you know, I just, I, I, I had trouble taking in everything that was happening. Sure. It was just so much going on in terms of how raw and fast and instantaneous everything was. So it's more of like a flag on the mountain car for me that, you know, Porsche said, hey, we can do this. Right. And for me, we had, well, we had a, we had a presenter. His name was Reggie. He was a super cool dude. Um, so it ended up the film was just a comparison of those two cars. Okay. You know, why they're important, how they contrast each other. Cause there's sure. a, a huge amount of contrast. I've Which never, you wouldn't I don't think know, of on paper. I don't know of any other car that both bear the same name that they are so different. And not that much time between them. No, like six years. What is it, a 2013? Six or seven years, whatever. I don't remember yeah. the year of the, the 9971. But it's like six, seven, eight years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're so different. They're Right. They're in just, philosophy, not just in performance and everything there's, else. They are, if you put a guy in a car <laughs> and you couldn't see what kind of car it was, uh-huh. you wouldn't think that they were the same model of car. Hmm. It's like the next generation of car. They completely, they both have turbochargers. Right. I guess, you know, it's, you know, just that's about They shouldn't it. be that you different can, on paper. You, there's no, you can't feel the spool on the new one. You sure. can on the old one. You can okay. hear the wastegates. You can hear the turbo spool. Yeah. It's all that stuff is muted huh. and just brought down on the new, on the new car. Right. And I don't know if that's because it's, you know, approved to drive around in Beverly Hills or <laughs> what the deal is and why that car is so removed. Well, but and here's the thing. It is amazing car. It well, just yeah, that, barely got beat out on track at against a uh, 997 GT3 Cup. Right. That I mean, and it set the record on the Nürburgring for It's extremely a while, right? fast. It's extremely capable, but it doesn't feel like it. It it just doesn't it doesn't move you. It, I'm talking to me specifically. I don't want to crap on people that own the car, <laughs> but it just doesn't move me. Yeah, it doesn't do anything well, for me. That's the why other one, the other one is like, well, you you just really need to be careful. You know, you need. You know, <laughs> there was a sense of more danger with that one. Hundred percent more on and, the edge. Everything was more direct. The, mm. I didn't drive it. I didn't ask to drive it. I didn't want to drive it. Um, I mean, I did want to drive it, but I didn't want to drive. This. How much of that was due to that setting, that comfort setting? Not much. You don't think so? No, no. The the density of or the, it's it had this the older one has this light density to it where everything feels really hard and dense but it doesn't feel heavy sure the new one feels kind of just heavy hmm. Interesting. Yeah, i don't know that's just all right I dr- i've driven one i haven't driven the other so it's hard for me to say you'll just have to wait for the film that we produced yeah where we talk about and reggie's going to talk about all this and this will be out on at panorama yeah i'll tell everybody when all it right. comes out good I'll, deal um you also had a little fiasco so you remember that i had my tires put the rears put on the front and the fronts put on the rears, <laughs> yeah. right? so i go in and i say hey i just want a refund i said okay. i don't i don't trust you they are scuffed yeah they're out of balance and the tires are on the wrong wheels it's like three strikes. They didn't do anything right. Okay. You know, I expect when I take tires to have them done, that when I get them back, they're clean. They wipe them off. They're clean. All the soap, all that stuff's all gone. You know, I just expect it. I have high expectations because that's what I would do. Okay. If I was going to be a tire installer, when I gave the tires back, they would be clean. I'd spray some stuff on them, wipe them down, because I would want my work to look the best it possibly could look. And I know that's a huge expectation <laughs> for a tire monkey. One of my buddies said it. Uh, uh, guys that install tires are the labor version of an AutoZone teller. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> Which is, I like is that. kind of yeah. true. It's the lowest form of mechanic. 
it's mostly young guys, right? Yeah, I mean, for it's, sure. It's an entry level position. Yeah. But the attention to detail just wasn't there. I said, sorry, the attention to detail wasn't there. And the guy goes, well, fine then. Next time, take your tire rack tires somewhere else. What? He goes, take your tire rack tires and don't come back or whatever it is. Something like, I'm like, are, you are a authorized tire rack installer. He's like, well, I guess we're just going to have to think about that now, aren't we? <laughs> and I just go, dude, I'm sorry. I'm not the one that effed up the situation here. Yeah. And he was really, really rude, super rude. And he couldn't figure out how to do the, the I stood there for 15 minutes while he fiddle screwed around and tried to get the return, the, to, the work. return to work. And finally, I'm like, dude, just give me the cash so I can get out of here. Yeah. You know, just give me the cash. And the other guy that was sitting next to him was was like, are you sure there's nothing we can do to make this right? Can we can we do anything? He must have been the manager or something. But this guy was just so rude. Take your tire rack tires and some really unreal. Unreal. I just wow. I, I said, well, I can't wait to write this review. Well, no, you should contact Tire Rack. That's what someone else told me too. Is contact Tire Rack. Oh, and tell 100%. Them about these so it was honestly, it was completely unacceptable. It should have been like, oh, sir, I'm really sorry. And then of course he goes, well, we normally don't work on older cars. I said, what difference does the age go? <laughs> He's like, well, aftermarket wheels are a problem too. I'm like, well, they're not aftermarket wheels. Yeah, these are OEM wheels. And these are OEM wheels. This is after I tipped the kid twenty bucks. I remember I, that. And then he, he did a terrible job. Yeah, scuffed uh, them up and put them on wrong and everything else. Yeah. Anyway. Did you explain everything that was wrong? Yes, I did. And was he defensive off the bat? 100%. Wow. He just didn't know how to take the criticism. <sighs> That's frustrating. It truly was. All right. Let's, uh, before we get into. Um, let's talk be, about a quality company, Chris. Let's talk about a quality company. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a moment to share our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. So, Oberk is your premier source for detailing compounds, pads, and polishes. What happened is after 15 years of experience working with some of the largest brands in the industry, the engineers over at Oberk decided to make one simple holistic system that really takes the guesswork out of paint correction. You know and what's I, cool? What's I got a shipping notification that I'm getting some of those edgeless towers now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and you know, I've mentioned before, I am not a detailer by any stretch of the imagination. I just really love how simple it is. They get you a pad, they give you the polish, this goes with this, and it worked flawlessly. I used it on my sister's just got a new car. She got a mini Countryman, okay. and there was a little scuff on it. This took it right out. It was great, cool. and I knew exactly what to do. So whether you're working on a mini Countryman or an old 60s Corvette, all their products are developed to work with any and all paint types. Be sure to check them out at oberkcarcare.com and use the exclusive code OVERCREST to get 15% off your order, and you'll also get one of their famous Eagle Edgeless Towels. Great, that Chris is mentioning. So uh, everybody go support the sponsors. If you're going to buy some detailing stuff, which every single person that's listening to this podcast does, right? You know, go there, buy theirs, try it out. See Absolutely, support us, you'll like support it. Podcast. Anyway, so what are we doing this weekend? We are tomorrow going, morning. We leave tomorrow for, morning. We're leaving for the NHRA drag races. So this is the Lucas Oil NHRA Nationals. So right. this is the national, basically deal so it's a big deal it is a big deal and our friend jerry horton who was on the podcast a while back introduced us to the guys at uh Kalita motorsport yeah this is gonna be awesome so we're gonna be hanging with them this weekend which is cool that company has a ton of legacy which started with connie Kalita, who was infamously known as the bounty hunter during his <laughs> own days as a drag racer wow and i need desperately to be infamously known as something what do you think oh, my, yeah what do you think my infamously known as Oh, uh, infamous naysayer. 
Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll make that into a shirt. It's not very cool, but it's not anywhere near as good as Bounty no, Hunter. No, this will be really cool because you've never been to like a full top fuel drag race. Have you? I have back at Rock Falls years and years and years ago. Okay. So small scale, not anything like this. But they're going to have the full funny cars, the full top fuel dragsters. So Harleys, they, they support Team Mac Tools, DHL, Team Global, more. Um, so we're going to talk more about the NHRA weekend ne- on next week's Friday episode. But I just wanted to say thanks for Jer- thanks to Jerry for um, introducing us and you know everything. Absolutely, it's That'll gonna be. be awesome. I, I just I think you know what the entire purpose of this is. Jerry just wants you to shoot a video of the look of my face <laughs> the first time the car. So, go. do you have any over the ear headphones? I do not. <laughs> Should I just wear? I can wear my helmet. Should I just walk around wearing? No, my- that won't do it. No, that's not good enough. No. Wow. <laughs> yeah, in I'm the, bringing ears like mm, earplugs. Th- those will work. But I'm bringing my full-on over-the-ear muffs. I'll just bring my... They're isolating. We'll stop at Cabela's on the way up. There you go. And grab. I might have an extra pair, actually. I don't want to wear your sweaty... Oh, yeah, they're going to be sweaty. No, yeah, no no way. Not a chance. But anyways, it will be great. One one other thing. Yep. Before we get into your history episode, I just want to remind everybody that the rally applications closed August 21st. That is coming up quick. Coming up. It's less than a week. Um, and sales will end September 1st. So on August 21st, I'm going to go through all the applications, approve the ones that are done, mm-hmm. and then send out the approvals. And then you have a week. If you have not uh, wow, not done it, you have a week to buy. And um, I think there's only like 20 spots left. Wow. So you need to awesome. get on your game. I can't wait. That is going to be awesome. All right. I'm ready. Let's do Can it. Can you uh, enter thing one? What's thing one? Uh, old-timey radio intro. Okay, what's old-timey radio intro? I don't know what's. I don't know what old-timey <laughs> radio intro version is. Is that? Is that? What, the, what do you have over there? You're the one with the board. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. All right. And you can cut it whenever and put the old-timey <laughs> static music in next. Okay, that sounds really good. From the New York Daily Tribune, April 26, 1901. The daily section entitled The Automobile. Members of the Automobile Club of America were rejoicing last night over the intelligence from Albany that Governor Odell had signed the Doddy Act into bill. The bill has been amended since it was introduced at the instigation of the club of this city, but the changes refer only to the jurisdiction of the park officials in city parks and the owner of motor machines are satisfied with the measure as a whole. The bill provides for the registration of automobiles with the Secretary of State and allows them to be driven on any highway at speeds not to exceed 15 miles an hour outside incorporated villages. The new law simply confers upon the owner of the motor vehicle the same rights enjoyed by the drivers of horses, and it avoids the confusion which would have arisen had each township been left to fix its own speed limit. The speed of automobile cities must not exceed eight miles per hour. (laughs) The bill also requires that each owner of an automobile must file with the Secretary of State a brief description of each vehicle and shall pay to the state a registration fee of $1. The owners of the automobiles have remained quiet recently, but now that the bill has become a law, incidents in the motor world promise to be livelier. (laughs) A dollar is probably... So I'll explain what the hell all that means in a bit, but right below that excerpt in the 1901 paper of the New York Daily Tribune was also this entering interesting tidbit. So okay. QQ scratchy scratchy oh, we radio. Some, we need more scratchy oh, radio. We need more scratchy radio, okay. I think, for this. The Automobile Club of America yesterday arranged the conditions for the first annual endurance test, which will be held between this city and Buffalo starting September 7th. The distance will be 500 miles. 
The competitors are expected to make about 85 miles per day. The machines will be open to all classes, but no manufacturer owner can start more than three machines. All four-wheel vehicles must each carry two individuals. One of the features of the run will be a hill climb contest at Little Falls. Signboards will be erected along the route. Sounds good to me. That sounds I, like a good event. I hadn't heard of that before, so that was really cool. So hopefully, it, they could go faster than eight mile per hour. Speed yeah, well, race. they're doing eighty-five a day, so <laughs> probably not. Probably not. All right, so that had nothing to do with the story, but I found it really cool nonetheless. <laughs> you just needed. <laughs> no, the first article though. So, what exactly was the Automobile Club of America rejoicing about? Is this AAA? Is this the no? Like, is that the, no? We uh, had talked about AAA before. Is that the original AAA? No, this is the Automobile Club of America. Oh, AC. They were just enthusiasts okay. of the automobile. Well, on April twenty fifth, nineteen oh one, New York Governor Benjamin Odell Jr. signed into law a bill that required owners of motor vehicles to register with the state. It also mandated that every automobile bear quote the separate initials of the owner's name placed upon the back therein in a conspicuous place, the letters forming such initials to be at least three inches in height. And so was born the license plate. So back then, your, your current license plate, the way you do it, would be illegal. Why? Because you need to use your name in your license plate. Exactly. So back then, you, your little RS4 Porsche 911 <laughs> H3 situation, yeah. was, is, that, is that a no was go. no good. That was no good. Yeah. So Although back then, it would just be car, <laughs> right? I mean, there would just be no just car or oh, truck. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It would be the, the whatever steam the coach builder machine. Or whatever. Yeah. So owners were expected to provide their own identifying letters. And in those early days, there was no restriction on material, style, color, anything. Some used. You could just do whatever you want. You wanted, yeah, whatever you want. So some used metal house letters because they would have those back in the day. Uh, some would use leather or wood. Others just painted the letters, the letters right on the back of the car. Yeah. Uh, so it seemed odd to me at first that these drivers would be, quote, rejoicing at an additional regulation, right? But as it turns out, what they are so thrilled about was the rights that this regulation afforded them. You see, before the law had passed, local regulations differed not only from state to state and county to county, but even from town to town. This meant laws were virtually impossible to follow if you're driving anywhere. Right. And... As the New York Times reported... It still feels like it's kind of that way a little bit. I know. Yeah. It does, actually. As the New York Times reported, quote, Automobilists found that in many instances, they were not accorded equal rights with those on horses. So, Chris, do you remember... No, I don't remember anything from this period in time. No. Do you remember an earlier history episode? Way back in January, I looked at this up, it was episode 81, for those that want to reference it, where we talk about weird laws that required a person to completely dismantle their yes. vehicle and like hide it in bushes <laughs> yes. in order not to scare the horses. Right, yeah, yeah, the horses took priority. Exactly. So it's no surprise that the New York Tribune later, Tribune later wrote that, quote, one of the objects of the law was to put a stop to the harassing of the owners of automobiles. And that really was a problem back in the day. Just like all these anti-car folks are harassing Chris on Twitter, the same people existed over 100 years ago. The journal, entitled Turf, Field, and Farm, Ooh. which you can imagine was not pro-car, called cars a, quote, unnatural vehicle. Chris, they're simply unnatural. Well, it's true. 
They're not true, natural. It's a true statement. I suppose when you're used to horses, it's definitely it's a true definitely statement. not natural. It's not an organic form of transportation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the licensing and registration law passed, however, local authorities could not ban cars from using roadways. So that line is important. Could not ban cars. That meant you'd go into a town with your jalopy and, and they'd be they like, about it. no, they'd be before this, though, yeah. they'd be like, you got to get off our roads. They're not allowed here. These cars, your newfangled contraption. <laughs> your kind can't be here. Yeah, I'm sure it kind of was like that because these are also probably the rich, well-to-do people that had these vehicles. Right. So they're kind of not wanted anyway in a lot of these smaller towns. I'm wondering if that's the case. But regardless, they could not I, I ban the cars. I have to imagine that the industry surrounding horses was pretty serious from blacksmithing to settling to... Yeah, no kidding. To, to keeping the horses, to feeding the horses. I didn't to, even think about that the, side the of it. The guy that has to scoop up all the poop in the road. I mean, it's every, I mean it was a huge thing. Yes. You know, all these guys lo- probably lobbied to say whatever their town is, hey, we're a blacksmith town. We got like three blacksmiths here. We can't let any of these cars in. Yeah, no, I bet you're right. Uh, the law also imposed, and I think this is counter to what the original paper said in 1901. I think they actually got it wrong. The law also imposed a minimum speed limit, which I thought was interesting, which was eight miles per hour in city. That probably isn't right. It had to have been a maximum speed limit. It had to have been, because maintaining eight... <laughs> <laughs> trying, just, to like, just going trying to pull through. up in front of the general store. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's not rubber tires, so it's just like... <laughs> or it's just mud, so it's... <laughs> so, as awesome as this new regulation was, there was an issue. So, on May 2nd, that was a week after the bill was made into law, 17 people had applied for licenses. By September, that number grew to 715 so there's some old lady there just trying to be like, oh, my God, there's so many of these and it does none of them make sense. One year later, in April of 1902, 1,566 people had applied for vehicle license just in the state of New York. As the number of cars and drivers increased, there was a problem. The painted on initial system began to fail for a simple reason. There was just too many people with the same initials. <laughs> so your license plate doesn't matter because now there's five other people with your initials running around with the same plate. Yeah, Bob Johnson is... Uh, uh, yeah, is, exactly. You know. So in 1903, the New York Secretary of State became the official body that would be tasked with assigning each registered owner with a number to be displayed on the back of the vehicle. And over the next couple of years, other states followed suit. Uh, Massachusetts was actually the first to distribute actual state-issued plates. Stamped plates. Uh, I don't know if they were actually stamped, but they were... Up until then, you were still making your own numbers. Even if they told you what number you got, you were still expected to paint it on yourself or whatever. I'm imagining a lot of these cars aren't all the same car. It's not like everybody was registering Ford Mustangs. These were all kind of coach work, unique. Oh, for sure. Very in, unique cars. So how are you, what is the system to say at that time that these license plates belong with this car? I'm sure it's a book, literally, of records. Oh, man. It says this guy's name at this date, this car gets this number. Yeah, handwritten, I'm sure. Yeah, 1903. Yeah. That's nuts. So Massachusetts was the first to distribute these state-issued plates. Like I said, otherwise owners up until that point were still left to their own means to display registration numbers. Do we know what the first thing was that happened that said, hey, we need to license these cars? What was the first like, oh, shit, we need to to get on this? 
I, I'm sure there had to have been some sort of incident that precipitated. Someone it. ran over a dog or a horse or something like that. And they the- probably ran off, like kept driving, right? Maybe. And they're like, if only we could identify who that was. Well, you're that or it was just another way for the blacksmithing horse industry to put hoops to jump through to get a car in the first place. Potentially, but it actually kind of helped them. I sure. think this car association was actually lobbying to get these rights. Just to have a standard. Exactly. So Massachusetts was the first to issue these plates, right, with a numbering system rather than your initials. And logically enough, that very first plate issued in Massachusetts was the number one, the single digit one. It was issued to one Frederick Tudor. Not only is that plate still in use today, it has been passed down to one of his relatives who still holds an active registration on that plate. What is it on? What kind of car? I'm sending you a photo. Oh, shoot. Okay. I closed my computer so I could better pay attention to what was going well, on Well, quit doing that. Well, I'll wait for it to... Oh, here we go. Uh, come on! That is so anticlimactic and lame. It's yeah, on an I, Aston Martin DB9. License plate? One. It's oh, kind of cool that it's still in the family. What though. does FP mean, I wonder? That was... I looked it up. It's a specialty plate that's... This guy sucks. He does, kind of. He needs to find some sort of old car to put this thing yeah, in. Yeah, like a 1903 steam something. Who knows? One, it's it's not even on an American car. I know. All right. Well, that's... By 1918, every single state in the union had begun issuing their own vehicle registration plates. So, all right, back to the... Back to the history of what happened after that. In 1944... During the Second World War, steel was in such high demand that wasting metal on new license plates was deemed completely unnecessary. Instead, states were forced to use alternative materials for plates, namely embossed fiberboard, cardboard, and what? soybean plastics, you mean, you mean embossed. Em- <laughs> it's embossed, just like it's camber, camber. Yeah. In addition, people would actually be sending in their old license plates to be re-stamped. These wartime re-stamped plates are easy to spot because they still have the old stamping and they just stamped other letters right on top of it. Okay. And they're highly collectible by collectors. I have a photo of one here I'll send you just for your own. Because we'll it's kind of interesting. We'll put these in the show notes for you guys. For sure. So you can take a look if you want to see some of this stuff. Yeah. Moving oh, on. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's Isn't that cool. nuts? You can just see the other letters through it and they yeah. just painted the new ones. Uh, okay, so it wasn't... This is because they had no steel to make new plates? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They had to send all steel, all aluminum, basically everything to the war effort, right? right. So uh, moving right along with our timeline, it wasn't until 1957 that automobile manufacturers were actually the ones to impose uniform dimensions on license plates. So even if every state is issuing official plates, they all differed from size to size. And I think these manufacturers are just sick of building cars with license plate recesses that wouldn't fit with certain states' plates. Right. So the standard size in 1957 was set for all American states for a plate that was 6 inches by 12 inches, which I guess I never realized. I guess that is the existing plate size. Then everything changed in 1965. That's the year the states realized they had an opportunity for an additional revenue stream. 
the vanity plate was born. Yeah. <laughs> vanity plates, also known as personalized plates, prestige plates, or cherished plates, are available not only in the U.S., but also many other countries around the world. In fact, Norway just recently began accepting personalized license plates in the year 2017. Nowhere are they more popular, though, than right here in the States. Now, in 2007, the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators conducted the first state-by-state survey of vanity plates. So, Chris, do you have any guess who has the highest number of vanity plates? California. Not Florida. even not even on the list, both of those. Really? What is it? Yep, then? I have the New top York? ten here. Okay, I give up. That's uh, my two guesses. Florida, <laughs> Florida, New York, and California. That's my Virginia has the highest US vanity plate penetration rate. Over sixteen percent of all cars in Virginia have a vanity plate. Okay. Well, that's weird. It's because they have a really low cost. It's like oh, ten dollars. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, New Hampshire has fourteen percent, and this is uh, per capita, so not like overall. So it's all uh, adjusted for population. Illinois has thirteen percent. Nevada, Montana, Maine, Connecticut, New Jersey, North Dakota, Vermont, Texas has the lowest vanity plate penetration rate, half a percent. No one in Texas is getting vanity plates for some yeah, reason. No. In all, nearly it's because it's a <laughs> it's a what? It's kind of a look at me kind of thing, you know. And everything's bigger in Texas. And well, in Texas, people are just more modest in general. I, I think. don't think that's true at all. I can't. having a vanity plate is one hundred percent a self indulgent thing. Yeah, but that doesn't mean people in do. Texas it, are less look at me. It certainly is. It's a, it it's, certainly is. It's a obvious reason that they aren't because they don't have vanity plates, which is something you're that saying. This is evidence that they're not absolutely as vain with a vanity plate. <laughs> well, it's called a vanity. I know, plate. I know. in all 4% of every single vehicle in the U S has a vanity plate, which I guess is about right. Uh, I do want to take a quick break here before we move on to talk about our sponsor petrol box. Petrol Box is a monthly subscription service specifically for the automotive enthusiasts. We actually just received ours in the studio today. And uh, as they do every month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, and sometimes publications to be sent right to your doorstep. We got a t-shirt. We got some detailing spray for tire cleaner. Got some tire tire scrub, like a tire scrub yeah, brush. Yeah, that was cool too, and all sorts of other cool stuff. Uh, there's actually two levels of subscription to choose from. You get the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you a whole bunch more gear for $39.95 a month. So be sure to check them out at mypetrolbox.com and use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. All right, so back to vanity plates, Chris. That they don't have in Texas because Texas people are not vain. Texas people put longhorns on the front of their car. Isn't that the big stereotypical Texas thing? I don't think that really happens as much. That happens in the movies. Although I did see. You when saw I was, it, didn't I you? I saw one. See, it has to happen <laughs> more one. than that. It was on an Escalade. Which is great. No. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be better if it was on an old truck, I think. Yeah. All right. So it's no question that custom vanity plates have become popular. And what's the first thing you do when you see a car with one of these plates? You try to guess what yeah, it is. Yeah, you sit there and try to figure out the meaning. Now, this is such a universal activity that we shouldn't be surprised in 1987 when this first aired. 
This is the personalized license plate of a bathhouse attendant. If you can figure out that it I says, couldn't figure I out. sponge you, then you're ready to play I sponge you? Dumpers. And now, the driving force on Bumper Stumpers, Al Dubois. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bumper Stumpers, the show that turns a highway hobby into challenging fun for you and some ready cash for our contestants. Can <laughs> All right, <Okay>. so... <laughs> Bumper Stumpers okay. was a game show that aired from 1987 to 1990. It was on the USA Cable Network as well as on a couple of Canadian networks. I'd never heard of it. I hadn't either. The premise is basically a ripoff of the Wheel of Fortune. So contestants would be given a clue, in this instance, the occupation of the owner's license plate, and would then need to guess the phrase as the letters of the plate were slowly revealed. So... Chris, I have some of these that we can play. Do you want to play Bumper Stumpers? Yeah, let's sure. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, who would likely most own this license plate? 2M8OS. 2M8O or 0. 2O will help you out. 2Mate. Us. Tomatoes. It's tomatoes. It's a. It's a. It's a dude. It's an Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> the answer's farmer, but you got it. Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, what does this license plate say, Chris? One zero S N E one. Ten Sydney one. Ten one. That's how you kind of play, right? You just yeah, yeah. Time, oh, and, and as I watched this whole episode, by the way, ten, of bumpers. Stumpers, and the guys one. are just shouting out like this. Ten, 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 anyone, tens anyone, keep going, anyone, okay, keep going, tens anyone, that's it, it's tennis anyone, oh, for tens, tennis, well, that's a stretch, that's a stretch, Chris, what is this license plate, see, say, I, C, U, L, O, O, K, N, I see you looking. There you go. Uh, what's some other funny ones here? <laughs> some of these are so dumb. Oh, okay. This one's good. Uh, who would most likely own this license plate? C-M-E-4-A-D-8. <laughs> Come for a date? <laughs> see me for, oh, see me for a date. It's got to be, uh, it, well, obviously it's some single dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's for an escort was the answer. <laughs> All right, last one. I imagine some of these are just completely made up. Oh, yeah, up. for the show, for they the just show. made them up. Yeah, That's for sure. For sure. So uh, how about this one? R-U-N-V-S. I just said it. <laughs> Are you envious? Yeah. That one I feel like I've seen. All right. So, of course, anytime you give people a platform to display things to the public, whatever it is, things can and quite often do get out of hand. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All U.S. states. You know what's funny is when you go to apply for your vanity plate, you have three tries yes. to get something, and there's always a space next to it that says, explain what this means. I'm really happy you brought this up. Okay, so all U.S. states that issue vanity plates have what they call a blue list. Now, a blue list is a banned 
or a list of banned words, Shouldn't phrases. Should it be called a blacklist? It should be called a blacklist. What's a blue list? I don't crap. know. I don't understand. That's what I got online from my research. So it's a list of banned words, phrases, letters, or number combinations. Okay? So you can imagine a lot of these are like any swear word. Yeah. There's also, they don't let you have like COP for cop or like okay. fire department or anything yeah. like that. A lot of those because they reserve those for those employees. Yeah, no or, sexual organs. No, right, no exactly. Organs. However, when it comes down to it, the decision of accepting a custom plate is 100% subjective. These all go through an agent reviewing an application for vanity plate, and they can accept or reject a plate based solely on their own judgment. So the whole goal when you're doing this is to try to fool that person. Exactly. <laughs> but what you have happen... You have to imagine these people have kind of seen it all. They have. And so they're very skeptical. But that means not only do you get ones that come through that should have been rejected, the most famous is A55 on a, okay, hold on. It's a, you know what I'm getting at. It's yeah. an Oregon plate. No, not Oregon. It's Georgia, which has a peach in the middle. Yeah. And it says A55, space for the peach, R-G-Y. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very famous one they got through. Yeah. I, I always right. think about the Seinfeld episode. Which is? Which is where Kramer gets the license plate that says A55MAN because he's trying to be a proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one actually exists somewhere this is too. Very, I'm sure. very good. All right. So not only do you get the ones that got through that should have been rejected, but also quite frequently you get plates that for no good reason have been rejected. So I have some examples first of those that have slipped through. All right. And so let's get. Some of my personal favorite. There's just a big list. High officer, by officer, which, eh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> BNG, BUS. What? The bang bus. Ah, very good. <laughs> uh, Virginia, they have the state of Virginia, which is a big V. And then after that, they have A-G-I-N-A. What's that one? Vagina. Oh, just yeah, yeah. Uh, Two, I have trouble like wrapping I know, my mind around it. It is hard it unless without, you see them. Yeah, that's why so I'm going to go slowly so people can follow along. Okay, uh, North Carolina. This one went through two GRL, one CUP. Ooh, yeah, that was <laughs> pretty good. Uh, Michigan. That went through. That went through. Well, These that, all, that woman had apparently not seen the video. Apparently not. Or if she'd heard seen of the it. video. She wouldn't let it. Come I through. never saw that video. You're okay. Don't. It's fine. I'm not planning on it. All right, Michigan. D-U-M-B B-L-N-D What's wrong with that? Dumb blonde? Dumb it's, blonde. It's funny because it is the blonde holding it up. Like, yeah. hee, I got it. What are some other really funny oh, ones so here? she got it. Oh, we're talking about ones that made it. These made it through. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I-D-U-B-S-V-N-L? I don't know what that one is. What is it? I what? I D B S V N L. I dubs vinyl. I I bees. It it bees vinyl. It is. I don't know. I have no idea. M K S space U space C M. Yeah. Yeah. What is here's the thing. You can't write in the description field what it actually means. So what are these people writing? That's my next list. But okay. last one on the list that for somehow it made it through. N-G-G-A space P-L-Z. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are ones that actually made it through. Um, let's see. 
keep in mind, as you said, uh, in California especially, if they reject your plate, I've never had one rejected, so I don't know if this is every state, but in California, if you get a rejected plate, they give you a written statement from the DMV as to why the agent either approved or denied them. So not only do you have to tell them why you thought this plate is good or what your reason is, if it's rejected, they send you back a note telling you why it's rejected. Right. So some of these are hilarious. All right. Uh, <laughs> 420 Eddie, 420 EDDI. He, he said for his explanation, it has no meaning. I just want to get it because I like it. DMV comment, 420 National Smoke Day. 420 marijuana. Verdict, no. <laughs> uh, BMW HNTR. BMW Hunter. What's wrong with that? Applicant explanation. It's just a playful joke. DMV comment. BMW Hunter. He has an Audi. So he's hunting down BMW drivers? Verdict, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes the applicant isn't trying to hide what they're saying at all. Uh, ONW number two BYB on my way to bang your bitch <laughs> is what the applicant wrote in the explanation. DMV comment what he said. Nope. <laughs> Here, I got a clip for you. Ready? Yeah. Uh, Can I help you? Uh, yeah, Dr. Cosmo Kramer. Proctology. And then he points at the license okay, plate. Have a good day. And they don't ask for his ID. They don't ask for his ID because he's got the plate. All right. Only a couple more here. HUF 4 RTD. And he explained, I have unwavering faith for the respect of day. DMV comment. Who farted? Verdict, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, California. D-I-C-K-O-U-T. Dick out. Celebration well, of my son moving out of the house is what he said. Yeah, okay. DMV comment, dick. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, there's a couple funny ones that actually got through. Okay, here we go. Hot and sexy. H-O-T-N-S-X-E. Application explanation. Myself, being a middle-aged woman. DMV comments, hot and sexy. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> that's some other woman that's like, oh, I uh, wish I would have thought of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> California. G-E-T-N-B-S-Y. Getting busy. Yeah. I could do Application explanation. We're always getting busy in our home. It's a single mom, work school, band, city council meetings, sports, doctor appointments, etc. Getting busy explanation point. DMV comments. Getting busy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Those are most of the good ones. Uh, I just, there are a lot of here that you would have thought they would have said no to. Oh, here it is. Here's the last one. S-8-T-A-N. Well, yeah, that's a religious thing. You can't say no to that. Satan? Yeah. You don't think you can say no to that? No. They're not going to say no to that. Okay, how about the explanation? St. Anne is an important historical figure and someone who I model my life after. Yeah, that's probably not DMV comment, Satan. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would you would have to say Jesus, sure. Yeah. So you might as well let, let uh, the good old king of darkness, prince of darkness hey, in there. Hey, I guess so. You got to be equal. Uh, all right, so other interesting side effects 
custom vanity plates have had on the world is the huge second-hand market. In 2014, classic car enthusiast and Ferrari dealership owner John Collins dropped $890,000 on the plate 250. For what vehicle, you might ask? His Ferrari 250 GTO short wheelbase. Wow. So in England, it, the, uh, the vanity plate thing is wild. Yes, it is. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so considering what the car itself is worth, this is just a drop in the bucket. Right. So yes, in England, you, as far as I, I, I should have looked this up, if it's you can't get vanity plates, or you can, but there's just such a limited amount that you can sell them then secondhand yeah, you to other own, owners. You own that plate. Exactly. It's yours. You have, exactly. you have ownership of it. And the same thing is the case elsewhere in the world. There's no comparison to what businessman Saheed Abdul paid for the license plate one, the numeral one, in the United Arab Emirates. He should have just came and talked to our buddy with the Aston Martin here in Massachusetts. Right, he could have been much cheaper. Well, our buddy Saheed dropped $14.3 million, making it the world's most expensive license plate. F that guy, for real. Yeah. Uh, also in the UAE, I didn't include here is F1. It was like over a million. What kind of car does he have that on? A McLaren F1. No, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. He has it on a Bugatti. It's dumb. Yeah, well, that's these are, very dumb. These are the guys that are, you know, we'll get into it on the news on the other episode. These are the guys that call <laughs> up Aston Martin, have them build them a, what do they call it? A lair? A lair. Yeah, yeah. their own garage. Uh, the previous record was held by Abu Dhabi plate number five, which brought in an auction for $6.8 million by a stockbroker. So I'm not at all surprised that the most expensive plates, you know, are purchased in the U U AUE, right? Um, but there's another market that I did find surprising. That also okay. has a lot of high-end plates. China. Specifically, Hong Kong. Quote, In a town that levies 100% tax on perceived luxury imported cars, auto enthusiasts readily part sums in the thousands of dollars to accessorize these vehicles with vanity plates. 100% tax. So Chinese lucky numbers go for big figures. And the city has been auctioning lucky number plates off for years. So this is interesting where it's the city themselves doing it. Right. It's not a secondhand market. In the early 1990s, one Hong Kong tycoon paid a record $1.68 million for the single-digit registration number nine, which in Chinese sounds like a word for longevity. Okay. So that's why it's considered a lucky number. $1.68 million. And I still can't get over the 13.4 in the United Arab Emirates. So, bottom line, Chris, is I'm not the only one who appreciates a good custom license plate. Yeah, it sounds like we're talking about a bunch of idiots, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Regardless, that's what I got. That is the history of the license plate. And uh, now I want to go check out Bumper Stumpers more. Yeah, let's go watch it. Well, let's... Yeah, I'll watch a little bit of it with you. I'll watch I think it. it'd be hilarious. Yeah, I was looking up uh, while you were talking. I was looking yeah. up a couple gamer tags, like uh, oh, that also gets sold like this. Yeah, so like the word the name Killer. Okay, four hundred and ten dollars. At least it's not ex like ridiculous like license plates are. Um, bad MF. Uh huh. Bad MF are valued at zero dollars because it is illegal to have that one. But it's weird. Like if you have just um single letter gamer tags. Yeah, just like A. Is three thousand dollars B? So three thousand. The gaming community also wants this. Oh yeah, big time. You know X Y Z, two hundred 
$250. So it's, it's, it's all about personalization and having your own spin on things. That's, that's what people like to do. Yeah, I suppose. And there's nobody that likes to do that more than some wealthy people out there need to let everybody know. True. Yeah. Is that my excuse? I don't know. I don't know what your excuse is. I have no idea. Maybe it's for people that you think can't read the small font on the back of the card, so they need to have it like right. You need seven to know what vehicle larger. it is or what year. It's a seventy nine eleven T. By the why way, why do you do it? I don't know. I just feel like if you're required to have this plate on your car, you might as well have it say something. Why? I don't know. It's ugly. But License you- plates are ugly. Well, we're lucky that we have black and white license plate. There's a lot of right like, as far as the collector plates. cars. The, the hobby license plates in in uh, Wisconsin are green, green and, red. and yeah, green and yellow. Yeah, oh, green and yellow, yellow on green, which actually worked out well. My dad had a green dune buggy for a while, and so it actually I got pulled over because the guy didn't think I had a license plate, but it blended it perfectly with the paint job. So, so all he you walked saw up, was, he's like, "Oh, oh, okay. you're good." <laughs> so it's I don't know. It's kind of a I'm yeah, you're not it. into it. No, I just that's I can't, fine. Can't do it. Well, I will tell people to go hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five star review. Also, check out Patreon. We have exclusive content, much like our history stories here, out at the end of every month. Also, get exclusive access to wallpapers, videos of the episodes, and we we release them to you as soon as we record. Yeah, so this episode will be up tonight, and Monday's episode. Will also be up tonight. Yes. So indeed. you'll have those early for the weekend. Also, uh, next week, just stay tuned for our NHRA episode. I'm excited for it. I'm actually going to try and interview some of the guys, the mechanics, the drivers, right. yep. everything else. Since we have yeah, we'll have to bring to our gear with and, and get some cool interviews. I can't imagine the G forces these guys experience going down the track that quickly. I bet like the G forces are high enough that it, they're the actual shape of their eyeballs change. Well, they, the big deal is retinal detachment. Like, a lot of these drivers have to quit because the retinas detach from their eye. That'll do it. <laughs> That's not good. No. All right. Well, on that note, we will see you guys next week. Take care.